The Lean Braze reporting for duty. Fasten your seatbelts and hold on to your carrots. You're about to enter the Lean Braze throwdown zone, the hard rock of fitness and food. We are Avengers of Health. Hide the glutenized donuts. You're listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. Welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones, and I've got Jill Mulshan back on the show with Kevin Rail. They're both in Park City, Utah, and we're doing a gluten-free garage sale show today. We're going to revisit the topic of gluten because gluten's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, many more people out there are becoming aware that they might have some gluten issues, but of course, like any good trend that starts off uh, well, there's some dupage out in the, in the uh, edges of the universe here. So welcome back, Jill and Kevin. It's going great. Hi, it, it's going great, and I'm I'm really glad to have you guys on board. And and now, Kevin, you're uh, living back in Park City. You're actually working with Jill, with her Gluten Free Institute, helping restaurants set up gluten free menus and prevent that cross contamination. Because you know, as we both know, working with Jill, if somebody really has a severe uh, you know case of gluten intolerance, man, just uh, getting a little speck of that on their plate can cause them all kinds of havoc. But I, I approached you guys, uh, you know, a few weeks ago about revisiting the show because in, in my full-time profession of corporate wellness, uh, I'm getting more and more people coming up to me um, that are asking questions about gluten. And I work with a couple different registered dietitians, and they've expressed some concerns that, and I think it's valid that, you know, we got all these people kind of jumping on the anti-gluten bandwagon thinking that all gluten is bogus, and, and that can cause some uh, potential vitamin deficiencies. But before we go into the show any deeper, I want to kind of qualify who we are because I don't think we've done a good enough job of that in some of the past shows. So, uh, you know, I'm Ron Jones from the Lean Berets. I've got a master's degree in kinesiology. I'm a corporate well coach. I've been doing this uh, quite a few years now. And uh, Kevin, you've got an exercise science degree. You're a certified trainer as well. You're a well coach. Jill, you've got an exercise science degree and you're a gluten-free chef and and quite the... uh, the gluten-free expert there in Park City now. And I, I would also like to add that she's one of the best cooks I've ever encountered in my life, hands down. Thank you. I well, have a lot of people that, that, that would never know that they're getting gluten-free food when they come to my house. Uh, that's the magic right there. That's, that is the true magic. Yes. Well, let's get into the show, man. We've, we've got a couple pages of notes here, and, and uh, I had no clue what the whole gluten thing was about until about a year ago, working with you and Jill. Uh, Kevin and 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 now let's can you guys just go over like what is gluten and and where does it come from? We're going to establish some basics. We we want to mention though that we do have another show on the leanbraze.com about gluten and it really lays out more of the foundation. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about the scams that are uh, created around the gluten-free trend. But what is gluten? Where do we start here? All right, I'll take the floor here for a minute and I'll explain exactly what gluten is because. Um, a lot of people are hearing this buzzword floating around, and still to this day, as big as the gluten-free movement is now, people are still curious. They're wondering, what the hell is gluten anyway? So gluten is a protein found in rice, barley, wheat, and all products that contain these grains. And some of these derivatives that is mixed in them, such as bread, like you mentioned earlier before we got on the show. Oat, oatmeal, actually does not contain gluten, but it is considered to have gluten properties because it is always, almost always contaminated because it's generated in a factory that has other grains in it that have 
gluten. However, you can get completely gluten-free oats as well. You just got to try to find the right company. We can give you a, we can name drop that for you if you ever have any questions. So contaminated meaning it's just contaminated, cross-contaminated with some gluten. It doesn't mean that it's filthy, dirty, and got poisons in it, right? Correct. Oats oh, okay. by themselves do not contain gluten, but they're, they're processed in a factory that has other grains that do contain gluten. So the dust gets in the air and the oats get contaminated. Okay. So if any of you are wondering about oatmeal, technically it's safe, but it's not safe if it's produced in, in the factory. You can find... However, you can find gluten-free oatmeal if you look for it. That's a, that's a good subtopic point there. Yeah, and also gluten gives dough like a complete consistency. I mentioned this in the last show, I believe, but the first syllable of gluten is glue. So just think to yourself, glue equals gluten. Right. So like pizza crust and bread dough and so on and so forth, it, it holds itself together by glue. It's like a bonding gluten. And you were saying that before about eating white bread and you thought it was kind of very chewy or something. Yeah, well, well exactly. yeah. Yeah, since the since the show we did with Jill last year, I become more aware of um, you know glutenized bread, if you will, and is a case such as a case with a lot of health topics. Until you learn about them, you might not even know you know you're doing it or or they're polluting your uh, food supply. But anyway, I've noticed now when I go into a restaurant, and I chomp on a little bread. Some of the the bread uh, that is being served today is is like chewing Play-Doh, and I've really become aware like it's got to be glutenized, man. You know, and it, you know, it's not just it, it's interesting too because it's not just the bread. So I, I mean, being a true celiac myself, I have to be, I, I have to be the investigator for myself when I go to restaurants mm-hmm. that have a gluten-free menu, or if I'm just going to get kind of wild and crazy and order something. Mm-hmm. Um, soup. If it's a thick soup, it's the first question I'll ask. Um, if it anything has a sauce on it, I'll always have the sauce omitted until we can, you know, determine whether or not there's gluten in there because gluten will stick in a sauce. Gluten really? will stick in a gravy. Gluten will stick in a soup. So anything that has that thick property to it could, could potentially um, have gluten in it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned soup because I usually have two questions I ask. My first one is, is the vegetable soup made with a vegetable base or a meat? And usually it's meat. So I do beef first of all right there. I don't want the, you know, how I am with the GMOs and the, the meat and all that kind of stuff. We'll right. get that whole other topic. Then I say, does it contain gluten? And that's oftentimes a really hard question to get to the bottom of. It is. It's, I mean, working working in you know in countless restaurants now, that's one of the questions that the chefs just don't really have an answer for. Well, I think it's it's one of those uh, deer in the headlight kind of questions you ask at the restaurant. You know, like if you ask where the salmon's from, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then they uh, they, they they go, well, let let me you know let me talk to the supervisor kind of thing, and then they come back and they probably lie to you anyway, but you know whatever. But uh, a little sidetrack point here. Now, you guys are in the Gluten-Free Institute in Park City. You're actually working with uh, corporations and restaurants and, uh, I don't know, you're working with school cafeterias, too? I don't know, a lot of different people out there. Yep. Great. Wonderful. And you know know what's so interesting, Ron? When we go in to do the education seminars with the kitchen and then with the the front-of-the-house people, it was even just this past Saturday I was was finishing up a, a, a corporation of restaurants. And I had five people come up to me at the end of it and say, thank you so much. That is the information that everybody needs. And I will tell people right off the bat, you know, you guys may have come here for a server meeting, but you're going to get more information out of this one little seminar for 30 minutes than most uh, celiac people and gluten intolerant people get leaving their doctor's office. You know, you know, so there is a lot of questions from, from patients and from people as to, 
you know, what could potentially be the problem? But when you look at it from a historical perspective, when you look at it from a physiological perspective, it starts to make sense. Yeah, you know, you guys are doing a great job to educate people on this in a real simple way. And 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 like a lot of really good ideas or trends in, in health and fitness, they start off well and then they go to the dupage part, you know? So, yeah. you know, and this is what the, the point of the show today is to kind of expose some of that and say, hey, you know, there there's a validity to gluten intolerance and gluten-free eating. However, there are a lot of people out there ripping others off with gluten-free um, food items that aren't uh, healthy, let's just say that. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, some of the in, – in, I mean, just a very simple statistic to throw out in the beginning. The gluten-free food and beverage industry right now is at $2.64 billion. Really? I mean, it is a $2.64 billion industry, and I love to throw that stat out a second time because it's, whoa, where is, where, where is this coming from? And mm-hmm. I think it's – I mean, it's huge because it's a huge demand for people wanting – gluten-free food that tastes good, but there's also the demand for people wanting gluten-free food that they can substitute for all those other favorite foods that they're now going to eat. Now, there's so, been... I, I mean, most grocery stores have gluten-free sections in them. Right. And for I, people I, like myself. Right. You know, if I need to go get rice noodles, I can go get rice noodles. Um, you know, if I want a choice in bread, I can prob- I probably have about four brands of bread that I can choose from now in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So it really is. It's this demand for... Um, having gluten-free food that fits the bill from the gluten from the gluten version. Now that's definitely progress, but gluten has been uh, in the news lately. It's gotten some bad PR, and there are some people wanting to flow, uh, throw gluten to the firing squad. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we can do that because talking to people like you that had these horrible, I mean, severe health issues, and some of my clients, I mean, these are people I know personally that I've worked with for years, and then when they get to the bottom of this, the problems go away. So, you know, I, I can't say that all gluten needs to go to the firing squad, but I tell you, there's some serious symptoms here. I've got written down the gas, bloating, diarrhea, malnutrition from nutrient absorption issues, weight loss, fatigue, osteoporosis, skin disorders, neurological disorders, and and uh, your favorite, Jill, the, the uh, horrific constipation. Yeah, that's me. 15 years going, I was going, 15 years going strong. <laughs> Not anymore. That's good. Okay, so that that's kind of what gluten is. It's a glue. It's a naturally occurring uh, a protein found in grains. Although I have a in quotes here, I thought this kind of sounds like Kevin with some of his tricky trickiness with words. I say uh, it's naturally abused because it is a natural substance. But yeah. uh, there's more of it in food today as a filler. Am I correct on that? Yes, yeah, the amount of the amount of of wheat. And the amount of gluten in an actual in an actual grain of wheat now is beyond what they've seen. You know, if you're to if you're to say, okay, let's check the wheat from 50 years ago, mm-hmm. they're testing the actual gluten content of, of wheat now and saying, wow, there's almost three times as much gluten in this wheat grain. So not only are not only are people eating more wheat nowadays, because you can go down the grocery store aisle and you have six different versions of cheeses to choose from. Right. You have 150 different cereals to choose from versus when there were just a few few types. So not only do Americans have more uh, more wheat at their fingertips, now the amount of wheat in that product and the amount of gluten in that product is threefold of what we've seen 50 years ago. So and interestingly, it's popping up in items you would never expect to see it in as well. Walking down a grocery store aisle, to paraphrase what we did a couple weeks ago at the um, Nicholas Food Expo, you, can't, you can just randomly walk down an aisle, grab a box of something, and look at it, 
look at the ingredient label and find some form of wheat in there or barley. Absolutely. Interesting. One of every five times. You know, and I didn't know about the sauces and things, too. I mean, I'm just thinking about bread, right? You know, so, but I'm the man on the street. I'm the voice of, uh, like, uh, sometimes ignorance here because, you know, I probably know about as much as a fairly educated health consumer about gluten. So there, there's so many people that don't have a clue about what's going on with this. So I really enjoy the, the topic here today. But uh, let's move forward a little bit. So that's kind of the foundation of what gluten is and why it's in food. And it's a naturally occurring protein, but there's a lot more of it in food today. And, uh, you know, people but are... I think a lot of the symptoms, too, which we kind of touched on a little uh, a, a bit ago, and why... Um, you know, why so many people that you're working with too, Ron, will say, oh, okay, great. I've just taken gluten out of my diet and I feel fantastic. Well, what's the scenario there? And I get that from a lot of people. Well, wait a minute. Was I celiac disease? To, you know, did I have celiac disease to begin with this whole time and had never known it? You know, I think with a lot of these symptoms and with a lot of, um, you know, in the, the, C- the CDC even came out with this, most diseases stem from inflammation. And where is that inflammation coming from? coming from our digestive system and it's and so i mean even if it's something as simple as us sucking on the guy in front of us on the tailpipe you know we're, right. we're consuming environmental toxins we're all doing that yeah um, that so is we're not eating 100 percent organic which most of us are not right if it's nearly impossible then we have that toxin in our digestive system now you add something as simple as, as gluten which is an inflammatory based substance you're just compounding that inflammation and that's why a lot of people will pull gluten out of their diet for x amount of time and immediately feel fantastic because right. they're lowering their inflammation and it's so i mean it's so simple it's just it's, it's such a simple fact and it's such a simple theory that i mean it's to think about achy point for sure know, for sure the, the gas and bloating yeah um, yeah for sure the inflammation seems to be more and more uh the root cause of a lot of health issues today, which is, you know, inflaming the, the gastrointestinal systems, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, it, it, it directly ties into the, sh- the show topic today. Now, we're going to tie this into to weight loss because a lot of people are jumping on the, the gluten-free bandwagon, uh, maybe not thinking about inflammation as much as they just want to drop a lot of weight. But what became apparent after we did the show with you and we started looking around a little bit is Man, a lot of this gluten-free food is absolute crap. It's, it's not a healthy. A lot of it is junk. Yeah, a lot of it is junk. Because, I mean, to think about what now, okay, so you love that chewy, ooey, gooey bread, right? Most people do, and that's the thing that they miss the most when they go on a gluten-free diet. Mm-hmm. So how do you create that same gluten effect in baked products um, to, for, the, for the gluten-free version? Tapioca starch, corn starch, arrowroot starch. Things that have no nutrient quality to it. Hmm. That's where this gluten-free thing is getting somewhat of a bad rap. So I'm dealing with a couple of different types of people in my practice. The people who are saying, well, come on, is this just all the buzz? It can't be that good for you. You know, aren't I lacking in nutrients? And then there's the other people who are saying, I'm just going to switch everything over. I used to love Oreos. I'm going to get the Knickerbockers. I used to love bread. I'm going to get the Uli's. I used to love cake. Now I'm going to get the Betty Crocker. And they just switch over all their junk food to the gluten-free version. Well, guess what? That's not going to really improve your nutrient quality of your diet. Hmm. You know, just doing that mere substitution diet won't do anything for, for, your, for your system. So, junk food is junk food no matter how you look at it. You're going to eat um, 12 chocolate chip cookies that are regular conventional cookies. 
get 1,200 calories for regular chocolate chip cookies. And you can easily transfer that over to a, a gluten-free company, such as um, Enjoy Life or something like that, and eat 12, 12 gluten-free cookies. But guess what? You didn't do a damn thing except eliminate gluten-free diet. Right. So it's a, that's a sketchy gray area right there. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of the bad rap is starting to come into play with the gluten-free diet. Well, the dietitians are concerned, too, because there's a lot of uh, nutritional qualities in grains, so people just drop the grains out, and then they're saying they're, they're coming up with some deficiencies. So can you kind of uh, touch on that? Um, and, and, you know, I, I hate to even bring up the subject, but, you know, there, there are a whole legion of people out there now that believe we shouldn't be eating any grains at all whatsoever, um, and they just cause gastric uh, leakage and all kinds of stuff. And that, I, I think that's the topic of another show, but we have to at least mention that today. Because I think for some people, the grains are okay, you know, and at least in some kind of moderation or, or limited amount. Well, here's the interesting thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off, and I'm going to hand the, hand the baton to Jill. I'm going to let her finish off, because she has some really good statistics to throw with her. Um, one of the biggest fears that I am seeing hearing is that there's not enough fiber in, by, by avoiding whole grains, you're losing a ton of fiber, and you're losing B vitamins and magnesium and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, there are a ton of very healthy, very good, non-glutinous-containing grains out there that people are either unaware of or just, aren't, just don't bat an eyelash to. And I pretty much base most of my diet and my whole grain intake around those gluten-free grains, and I'm, I'm pretty chill as far as I'm concerned. I feel like it. And I think that there's... Um, a growing debate over that issue right there. So if you can find the healthy alternative to what you're lacking, that is the key thing when you're going gluten-free. So Jill brought this paper with her, so why don't you just give us a little bit of a Well, before, before we go to Jill, what are, what are the gluten-free grains, just so I don't lose that point? You've got quinoa, you've got amaranth, you've got buckwheat, which is technically a seed, but it's considered a grain as well. You can get oats, like I said, in gluten-free form, any kind of rice. Brown rice is better, long-grain brown rice is the best. Teff, called, uh, that's an ancient grain, and there's stuff called sorghum. You even make beer out of sorghum, too, a gluten-free beer. Okay. And it's a little bitter, but it's pretty good. And millet. And millet. Millet is awesome. Millet okay. is loaded, loaded with nutrients. Okay, yeah. so if, if, if you're prone to believe that grains are cool on some limited amount, then there are uh, gluten-free grains available, and we just went over that. So I just want to make that point. So what, what are the stats, uh, Jill? What's the research saying about uh, the gluten issues today? really quickly, most people with uh, with a gluten issue have a nutrient deficiency to begin with mm. due to the inflammation in the digestive system. So I can see where, um, you know, where the dietitians are having problems here and saying, well, wait a minute, if this was your source of vitamins and, and nutrients, what happens if we're going to take it out? Well, never fear because once, you know, once you look at the statistics of um, of fiber content in some of these gluten-free grains, I mean, it's just amazing. And the calcium, the iron, the whole spectrum of B vitamins. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some obscure words like amaranth, millet. Wait a minute, isn't that bird seed? Have quinoa. Where am I going to find this stuff? I mean, it's very mm-hmm. simple. You can get it on Amazon.com, and a lot of grocery stores have it now, too. Mm-hmm. But to look at, so we're going to look at a cup of raw grain, okay? okay. Straight up cup of raw grain. And what we're going to do is compare that cup of raw grain to a cup of raw wheat, okay? So a cup of raw wheat has 24 grams of fiber. That's a good amount of fiber. But according to the American Heart Association, most commercial products don't contain a significant amount of that brand in the product. So if you're taking just a small amount of that wheat and then building it into a product, 
to go back to the whole grain version of something that's gluten-free, you're going to get better bang for your buck anyway. So mm. if wheat has 24 grams of fiber, let's look at amaranth. Amaranth has 18 grams of fiber per cup. Buckwheat has 17. Millet has 17. Oats have 16 and a half. Brown rice has 6 and a half. Even sorghum has 12. Quinoa has 10. So to look at that from a perspective of 24 in wheat versus those other numbers, yeah, they may, it may not compare in a chart, but the fact that you're getting all of that whole grain in a whole grain and you're getting all of that fiber in the whole grain versus a wheat product, um, I think speaks really clearly. Then to look at, so some of the, um, some of the nutrients that are really scary to be lacking in a, in a gluten intolerant body or any body in general are the B vitamins calcium, and iron. So to look at, am we're going to look at amaranth, for instance. In one cup of raw amaranth, there's 298 milligrams of calcium versus wheat at 65 grams, mm. or 65 milligrams. So you're getting almost four times as much calcium in amaranth than you are in wheat. But remember, you're not eating a whole cup of raw wheat when you're eating something like wheat bread. Um, and then to look at folate, folate and amaranth, 96 micrograms versus wheat, which is 82 micrograms. So, you know, I'm using amaranth as an example here, but the other grains really do, really do compare. They so, do stack up. Um, corn, I am going to mention, corn is a great gluten-free grain. It's tasty, it's yummy, and it's so easy to get. Corn does not provide a whole lot of nutrients. So if you're going to go on a gluten-free diet and replace everything with corn, you're probably going to be lacking in these. So what, you know, what some of these doctors are finding now in their research is that it's not a matter of, um, it's not a matter of going gluten-free and cutting all the grains out. That's the problem. It's a their biggest problem now is, is getting their clients and their customers familiar with what the gluten-free grains are. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and I've had every one of those grains mentioned in extract form on their own and as an ingredient in muffins, cereal, bread, cake. The list goes on and on. And i got to be honest with you, I think it tastes better than, than any wheat product I've ever had. And so the, my man in the street take-home point with this is that there's a higher bioavailability for those nutrients coming out of the gluten-free grains if someone has a gluten issue. So you might Absolutely. be eating the wheat, and, and let's say it has twice the amount of whatever, but because it's causing so much, so much inflammation, you're not really absorbing it. Compared, exactly. Okay, okay, so that's I'm correct on that. That's well, a good take-home point. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. So, um, well, let's move let's move forward then in the the outline here. What's our next topic to uh, take on? Is our next topic. Next topic. Well, well, you know what? Maybe we should go back really quick. So let's look. No, let's let's look at the bevy of gluten issues. Let's look at yeah. let's look at them as a spectrum. Because okay. here I am on one end. I am I'm the celiac girl, and mm -hmm. I went undiagnosed for far too many years. So I actually have developed all of the secondary issues that a true celiac will have. Um, I don't wear it as a badge. I just like to use myself as an example. Mm -hmm. um, so a true celiac has an autoimmune disease, okay? It is, it is tried and true, and it's genetic. Um, I got it from one of my parents, both of my parents, not really sure. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's gene-based. So what happens when I ingest gluten, my blood sends out an IGF factor, immunoglutin factor. I know this is a little too wordy. But what happens is that immunoglutin factor will tell my body to attack itself. 
so over time, my small intestine started to feed itself, okay? And so much inflammation happened that my celiac disease was super prevalent. Most people are finding that celiac disease, that they'll have the genes for it, but their symptoms won't be there until later in life. So a huge, huge population that's getting diagnosed right now are the 55s and older. Really? And it's just throwing doctors through the roof. They're like, how, how have people gone this long without, you know, without having, having any symptoms? And now all of a sudden, there it is. Hmm. So, um, anyway, celiac disease is on one end of the spectrum. Gluten intolerance and gluten sensitivity do not have the genetic autoimmune side of this. Um, so, if we're to put them in a line, celiac disease, gluten intolerance, and gluten sensitivity. I would call Kevin somebody who's gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm. He can teeter. He can, he can dabble. He knows he doesn't feel great in the morning, but his body isn't attacking itself. Right. People who are gluten intolerant have to avoid gluten just like I do. Um, they are not going to have – people who are gluten intolerant and keep eating gluten cannot turn themselves into celiac. You actually have to have the genes for that. People who are gluten sensitive and continue to keep eating gluten could create a gluten intolerance over time by all means. But this is the spectrum that we're dealing with. Okay. So I think a lot of these buzz people are gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm. They know that they've taken it out of their diet and they feel fantastic. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So it, it can be something that develops later on in life. I, I wasn't clear on that point. So that yeah, was good to it, mention. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I was just doing, I was doing some research. Um, Dr. Alicia Fasano, who's out of uh, the University of North Carolina, he's just, he's my guru. He's, I just, I love to read whatever he comes out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying, you know, people in their 70s, how is this happening? How have they gone their whole life and not known? Well, if we're to look back at inflammation, what happens to people a little later in life? Do they get put on a little bit more medication. Do their bodies tend to become more inflamed over time because of their age? Hmm. Yes, it's going back to that inflammation. So let's mention him again, Dr. Alessio Fasano. Yeah, F-A-S-A-N-O. He's he's, uh, the physician doing a lot of the gluten research that's coming out then, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, he's just brilliant. What he's doing right now is um, he's trying to, he's actually come up with a way to diagnose gluten intolerance and gluten sensitivity, mm-hmm. and it's just brilliant what that's going to do to the industry and what that's going to do for people. Because, hey, I have a badge of honor. I have the, I have the, the biopsy that says I have no villi left in my digestive system. Mm-hmm. Wait, wow. What about all these other people who are going, oh, wait a minute, come on, just eat that. You, what do you have, celiac disease? No, I'm gluten sensitive. Yeah, 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 whatever. You've just come up with that yourself. Well, what Alicia Fasano is doing, and I mean, bless his heart, showing that there's actual damage to the mucosa lining in people that are sensitive and intolerant, too. And he's trying to figure out a way to get that in back into a simple blood test so people can be tested. Um, you know, but as of right now, it's still in the beginning stages, although he has figured it out. Well, that's cool. And I, I have written down next to uh, our notes in bold here, how do I know if I have gluten issues? We mentioned a couple of those things. But, uh, you know, is this just another... Uh, uh, like a, a ailment of the of decade because, you know, it seems like every so often something comes up that everybody has. But there are some real valid issues here that people are having with gluten. But I want to read a couple of these things because uh, how do I know if I have gluten issues? I would answer this question with a question. How do you feel after eating gluten-containing foods? Your body will give you all the feedback you need. Do you feel bloated? Do you have constipation, gas, stomach pain, diarrhea, breakouts, brain fog, irritability, lethargy, violent thoughts? Dude, I didn't. I didn't realize there's some violent issues associated with this. Yeah, 
all whacked out. It's a um, it's lack of nutrients. Hmm, yeah, interesting. Well, I, I mean, I've had a few clients in my corporate wellness business that have had gluten issues, but I had one guy in particular. He had he had just a hell of a time for over a year, and uh, he finally found out it was a it was a gluten intolerance issue, and he, he he got straightened out. But this was kind of pre dating our show with Jill, Kevin, and you know, I it wasn't really on my radar screen. I kind of heard about it, but I I mean, this is really confusing stuff. If you if you haven't gotten into this or you're not working with somebody like Jill. Uh, and you, they can break it down and keep it simple. But anyway, um, that that really uh, opened my eyes up to this issue um, and what it can do. Because I mean, he was really, really ill, and he was a young, really fit guy too. He he was not a he was not over fifty five. He was not overweight. A very athletic guy, and he just he really had a hard time with it. Very sick. You know, what I'll tell people to do, too, and it's so simple, you know, well, Jill, what are my testing options? Well, you can have a biopsy of your colon done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Um, you can go to your doctor and get a blood test. Yeah, well, I tried that, and it came out negative. I still don't believe it. Right. Okay, well, you can send a stool sample through the mail. Mm, I don't know if I want to do that either. Or you can take gluten out of your diet and commit to that for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then... Go have your favorite pizza. Go have your favorite pasta and see how you feel. The elimination diet is so powerful, and that's where I think this industry is really being driven by. I mean, people people know how they feel, right? You know, it, it, or, or not. Um, you know, and I'll always challenge people, you know, do you know what good feels like? Because you may think you feel good right now, but do you really know? So by eliminating gluten, you may say, wow, I guess I totally forgot what good felt like. And they're so used now, to being inflamed, mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I had a question. Um, is it possible, because I, you know, I, I was kind of laughing to myself the other day. I was around a couple of teenagers, and they were all running down to some place to get all the gluten-free food. And, and I, my impression or perception is that they probably had no gluten issues whatsoever, but they're just trying to be the trendy L.A., you know, whatever, out here in Southern California. You know how it is, Kevin. Yeah, uh, but can you develop a gluten intolerance issue if you go gluten-free and you have no problems with gluten? I think somebody mentioned that to me. So yeah. can you clarify that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you go over that? Because that's, that's a little bit of a curveball, I think. Okay. Now, I, don't not, I do not have absolute proof about this, period. But I was talking to an actual um, guy that has a degree in culinary arts, and he had a secondary master's degree, two master's degrees. One was in chemical biology of food, I believe. And I believe he's taught on the university level. Mm-hmm. And what he told me was they're starting to find out that people that voluntarily give up gluten just because they think it's, it's better for their bodies or they think it's a cool thing to do, after several months, their bodies, their immune system starts to get weakened because it doesn't have to work as hard just to break down gluten. And they're actually developing gluten intolerance when they, in fact, go back to eating gluten-containing food. Really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea, but I, I I wanted to mention that because, you know, I think, you know, sometimes we we try to overthink the body, and it's very simple. You know, if you you take a bunch of stuff out that is okay in in a, a limited amount, and then all of a sudden you develop a problem somewhere else. You know, and um, I've always kind of wondered this with the anti-grain folks. Like, I mean, because the if you're not aware of this, there's a, you know there's a group of people that believe that um, eating any kind of grain causes a, a type of perforation in your 
in your uh, GI tract and, and some leakage, if you will. So, and I, I was joking with Kevin one day, Jill, I go, you know, maybe that's the, maybe that's like uh, the body's way of remodeling the interior of the, uh, the colon, you know, maybe it's supposed to have holes in it that, I mean, I don't know. It's like a burn patient. They, they kind of like work the, the skin like Bondo and then it, it grows and then it, it heals itself. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing some ideas out there to be fun and creative, but you never know. We can overthink this and maybe cause some other issues. I think, you know, I think any issue when it comes to food can, can be over, can be over, mm-hmm. um, and it can be overanalyzed, but knowing how a certain food feels in your body is, is huge. It's, you know, what, what soy sauce does to me, Ron, is going to do something totally different to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what it's going to do to a whole parking lot full of people. Um, but it's a matter of, I just think it's just a simple matter of saying, you know, do, do I not feel good? If I don't feel good, I deserve to feel good. That's mm-hmm. one of all, all of our inherent um, blessings in life. Um, and if I don't feel good, could it be something that I'm eating? And if it is something you're eating, let's look into that. Well, I think so. that, that little simple tip, like just take it out of your diet for a couple of weeks and see what happens. So uh, the, the next point I had is, you know, or on our outline here is treating gluten issues. And basically a solution is a lifelong gluten-free diet, period. I mean, if you're really gluten intolerant and you want to feel uh, well and, and feel good, as Jill was saying before, I mean, I guess you got to get rid of the gluten and or just enjoy the pain, you know. There's a couple of uh, there's a couple of trial products out there mm-hmm. um, that are that it's a form and some of the you know some of the big pharma companies are trying to develop it now and saying great you know if you take this you're going to be able to eat gluten even if you have celiac disease and i teach a nutrition for celiac course at the university of utah mm-hmm. and every time i teach that class the first question i ask people is if this drug was to come onto the market would you start eating gluten again and the only person i had raised my hand in four times of teaching this class was an 11 year old girl Really? Wow. wow. Interesting. I mean, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, I had a lady in her 70s who had just gotten diagnosed with hmm. my class. Nobody said they would go back to eating gluten. Why? They know what that, they know what that opposite end of the spectrum feels like. Uh, and it, it's so um, painful then. They just don't yeah. even want to revisit that. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, we got about ten minutes left to wrap, so you know, let's talk about the restaurant industry because that's what you're doing with Kevin and the Gluten Free Institute that you founded, Jill, out there in Park City, Utah, and I, I think it's great because I, I guess you're going into restaurants and groups and you're teaching them about gluten, like we're talking about in the show, and then how to prepare this and and this whole cross contamination thing is a is pretty serious, you know, uh, because you can get quite ill if you don't do that properly. So how do you guys do that out there? Well, we simply we talk to restaurants about what what's going on out in the public right now. And restaurants are all about they want to have they want to have a good name for themselves. They want people to come back. They want regular customers, and they want to expand their their client base. And basically, what's happening is restaurants are starting to see this whole gluten free movement catching on like like hotcakes right now. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the National Restaurant Association came out last uh, last year, 2011, and said gluten free is. is it's going to be one of the top five hottest food trends of 2011. 2012 statistics came out and said it is the number one hottest food trend. And I mean, this is the national. This is the National Restaurant Association. This is what most restaurants look to for what's going to be the hottest trend. So, so restaurants now know they need to deal with these customers. But the smart restaurants want to do it correctly. The restaurants that are doing it what 
I say incorrectly, are the ones that are just making their menus and, and holding their breath. Well, I'll tell you, that. you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the restaurant business and, and restaurants in general, I think the worst thing that can happen to a restaurant is someone uh, goes home sick, you know, yes. unless a cockroach crawls across your plate or something, which, you know, but other than that, I mean, if you go home really violently ill after you eat someplace, it's probably not good for business, you know. And so uh, with some people, and I learned this, you know, with the show uh, with Jill, Kevin, is that, you know, she was so intolerant to this that even smelling the stuff could cause her to break out and have a rash and be ill. So, wait, if you're telling someone that, hey, we're serving gluten-free food and you're not doing that the right way, that's a real problem, you know, potentially, right? gluten-free community talks, and they talk, they talk loud and they talk often. You know, there's so many online forums. Uh-huh. Get on, you know, what's a great gluten-free restaurant, and then people can post their comments, you know, and I read them all the time, and those are the restaurants I'll go into. Hey, just so you know, you know, dining in Utah, you know, these are some of the comments that came up. You guys have a menu, and there's countless people getting sick that are leaving here. Well, what's the problem? You know, and as the gluten-free community becomes more vocal, when they find a restaurant that's 100% legit, mm-hmm. they're going there, and they're telling all their friends about it, but then also having something like the gluten symbols on their menus, um, having their door signs when they walk in, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the promo stuff that we put there, even if, you know, even if it's, if I'm not there, you know, if I, as the gluten-free patron, if I'm not there and my friend's there, they're like, hey, did you know that there's a certified gluten-free menu at such and such restaurant? Mm-hmm. That word travels fast. Hey, what are, what are your two websites? Let's uh, drop those real quick so people know. Um, goglutenfreegracefully.com. Mm-hmm. Um, great recipes, you guys. Um, I put a lot of heart in. This is, so that's my heart. Um, Go Gluten Free Gracefully is definitely my heart. That's where you can get a lot of information as to where gluten's found, um, testing options, um, great recipes. You can watch some videos. Uh, the Gluten Free Institute is my brain. This said, wait a minute, you know what, of you know, 99% of the people that I've dealt with, you know, the thousands of people across the world, mm-hmm. everyone's complaint is dining out tasting. Hmm. And so that's when the Gluten-Free Institute birthed. And the restaurants that we work with love us. They, they absolutely love us because then they're not dealing with gluten-free people on a case-by-case basis. And everybody is being trained. Well, you know, the- and the kitchen knows now, you know, no, we have to use separate spatulas. We can't use the violator. It's amazing how many restaurants we walk into and we'll say, oh, this is your gluten-free menu, or you have onion rings on there. Do you have a segregated fry later? No. You know, I, I think it's it's great to have somebody come in that just knows what to do, and they can tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. I mean, Kevin and I work with a guy uh, kind of, uh, you know, he's doing some business coaching with us, and, and, you know, he's mentioned that. He goes, you know, people need to know what to do, you know? And and typically they just want to know like what what are the steps what you know what do I need to do exactly one two three exactly. you know and and so when you can go in and simplify that and just really lay this out I mean you're really doing them a favor and and the patrons as well you know yes absolutely you know I started it for the patrons and now I was I, I was in the restaurant industry for ten years I still love the restaurant industry mm. and now and it for the restaurants you know let's you know let's help you guys out you know there's a the, the uh, gluten intolerance, which is North America, estimates a 10 to 14% increase in profits for restaurants that have a gluten-free menu. And, you know, hey, if mom's gluten-free and you're in a family of five, they're not ditching mom at home and all going out to eat somewhere. They're going to take mom along with. You know, well, so you're yeah. getting that one gluten-free customer, but then you're getting the four other family members that are coming in there to eat. 
and more and more people are eating out today. Even in the uh, depressed economy, you know, people still eat out quite a bit. So it, it's definitely a needed service that's it, been overlooked for a while. But let's do the watch out se- section as we kind of wrap things up here. Um, there are some things out there that, you know, you might not realize could contain gluten. We talked about the bread, but there's a lot more out there, and, and we kind of touched on that with some of the sauces and gravies. But can you guys go into that watch out section uh, section to kind of educate us on, you know, where that gluten could be hiding? Well, gluten resides in a lot of foods more than just the obvious, like you were saying. Um, as I always do on the firing squad, I recommend you scan your labels thoroughly. And Jill and I, when we, do a, when we certify a restaurant, we go through the front and back of that place with an eagle's eye, and we make sure that we look at every single ingredient, every single box, every single bottle, every single bag of anything in there. Really? Wow, that's yeah. thorough, man. I guess oh, you yeah, have to, though. You don't have a choice, right? You have to. There exactly. is no choice. When wow. you go to the restaurant, I mean, you do one little slip off there, uh, a crumb or something gets onto a plate, someone eats it, it can give the, rep- the, re- the restaurant a bad reputation, and we can't let that happen. Hmm. So we have to go in there with an eagle's eye, and we recommend you do the same thing. Um, to run down the list, I'm just going to throw a few out there, and then I'll hand it over to Jill, and I'm going to let her explain things because I can explain it, but she does it really cool. So, barley grass, beer, soy sauce, modified sweet starch, monosodium glutamate, um, Glutamate, the first syllable is glute, so that's a dead giveaway right there. Oh, okay. It's got got glutamic acid in it, which is an obvious gluten-containing product. Now, this substance called glucanate, with a C, is not not glutamate. It's a sugar derivative. It's a sugar derivative. But Mm. if you ever see glucanate, it's safe. So monosodium glutamate, not safe. Malt, malt flavoring, malt vinegar, fillers, natural flavor, textured vegetable protein, and hydrolyzed vegetable protein all should be left off your list if you're trying to watch your gluten. So hmm. texturized vegetable protein and hydrolyzed vegetable protein reside in uh, in most vegetarian products. Mm-hmm. So like a Boca burger or any of those smart meats that you can buy in the grocery store, they will have, and it's either labeled TBT or HBT, or they spell it right out, and that is vital wheat gluten. I mean, it's just it's a highly glutinous product, but it makes those fake meats stick together, just like wow, you know, just interesting. Like yeah, the, so the, modified sweet starch. Let me go back to that one really quickly. So anything in the United States made with modified sweet starch. Um, is gluten-free. Um, that's something that the FDA has done for us. If mm-hmm. it's um, any sort of European product um, or a product from outside of the country, we can't necessarily trust what the modified food starch is. Um, so, that's, so that's just a little caveat there. Um, some other places where you can find gluten, um, crab with a K. This is a huge one. I, will, I love sushi, um, and I love California rolls. Mm-hmm. But 90% of the sushi restaurants I go into mix blue crab, 100% blue crab, with crab with a K. Hmm. Um, do they do that to try and cut their costs? Probably not, because if you have a 100% blue crab roll, it's a little salty and it doesn't taste as good as the one that's been mixed with crab with a K. Hmm. So most sushi restaurants are mixing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and crab with a K has a wheat starch in it. Uh, blue cheese, a very interesting one that a lot of people don't think about, unless you're getting it from a company like Stella or Point Reyes or anything imported from France, you have to be weary that it could have gluten in it because to make a very inexpensive, very fast blue cheese, take some bread, mold spore it, leave that mold spore into the cheese, and voila, you have blue cheese. Really? So something as simple as blue cheese can have a high, high gluten content. I had no, um, I had no clue. And, and, Pun intended, the plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> the dairy product thickens. How, how, how could that be possible? A dairy product is gluten in it. Wow. Mackerel. 
you know, there's so many. I mean, and a lot of ones, um, you know, soy sauce is always one that people will go, what? Soy sauce? Yeah, mm-hmm. water, wheat, and soybeans. Hmm. Unless you're getting the gluten-free tamari. Here's one that absolutely killed me when I was diagnosed. Black licorice. I love black licorice. But even Twizzlers, even black Twizzlers have a wheat starch in there. I'll be so, done. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how many different products. And spelt. Here's one that a lot of people will go, spelt doesn't have gluten in it. It's a gluten-free grain. No, spelt has gluten in it. Hmm. I, think I like what Kevin put at the end here. If a product does not specifically say it is gluten-free, it most likely is not. <laughs> so yeah. just something to, to, to make a note of. So, well, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, so it's not just bread. I mean, there's a lot of other things going on out there. And, boy, if you're having a, some serious issues every time you eat with, with uh, inflammation and constipation and a host of other uh, symptoms and signs that we mentioned earlier, you might want to uh, think about that and get on Jill's websites and get some more information on that. But in closing, uh, what do you guys want to do to wrap up the show here to kind of tie it up and uh, head out? I would like to um, say two things quickly. First of all, I need to go back to the weight loss thing really quick again. Yeah. The people that want to just jump on the gluten-free bandwagon to lose weight. Mm-hmm. People, I've said this before, I'll say it a thousand times. If you burn more calories than you consume during the day, you're going to lose weight. And I sum it up in one sentence. Move your ass and you will lose your ass. <laughs> simple. It's very, it doesn't Last get more thing. simple than that, man. Yeah, it doesn't get any more simple than that. Lastly, I want to throw out some uh, Lean Bray approved companies. I'd like to give a quick shout out to a few companies. Oh, Hootie, yeah. First of all, Hootie is one of my all time favorites. They've got um, awesome bread, awesome rolls. They now have muffins. They got a lot of good stuff. I know we talked about calories and calories and it's gluten free, whatever. Even if it's a muffin, it's still a muffin. But they do have a very good line of products. And that's spelled, awesome. that's spelled U D I, Udi's. U D I, yes. Yeah. And you have Connect Connect, and you have my new favorite pasta right now of all time, Pinkyada. Very good. P-I-N-K-Y-A-D-A. It is fantastic. It's gluten-free, but it's literally the best pasta I've ever had of all kinds. It looks like some kind of Russian name associated with a kettlebell or something. I mean, where, where does that stuff come from? It kind of does. It's, it's um, Asian, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that product name before. And then you have Enjoy Life. You have Suzanne Specialties. Suzanne Specialties makes this stuff called Rice Mellow Cream, which is I have a sweet tooth, and Jill can attest to that. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect, healthy alternative to um, marshmallow fluff, which is complete fluff, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And then you have Bakery on Main, which makes a pretty decent um, granola. You have Pamela's, which has really good um, flour and mixes. Their cornbread mix is maybe the best on the market. And, and, yeah. and remember, everyone, these are all gluten-free food companies, or yeah. they have gluten-free products, right? Okay. Yep, and for those of you that like to have an occasional alcoholic beverage, Frosty Cold One, which I like to have once in a while. You've got Magner's Irish Cider, which is fantastic, and you have Woodchuck Hard Cider as well. And you also have a gluten-free beer, which the name sticks to my mind right now. I think um, I think Red I've Redridge. S- Redridge. Redridge is, is a Budweiser product. Okay, I've sampled a Woodchuck, I believe, Kevin. I believe you might have had one with me. When when I was back in uh, when I was back in Pennsylvania. I think I sure wasn't up at um, when we were up in Berkman um, at one time up in. A Ventura. That's right. You brought some to Cali. Brought some to California. That's right. That's yeah. where I had it. Yep. Yep. I remember that now. Well, Jill, you got anything to close with? Yeah, I'll close with just a brief statement here. Listen, guys, I deal with I, I deal with hundreds of people, thousands of people who have gluten issues or um, or potential gluten issues where they just have questions. If you are unsure as to whether or not you're going to get nutrient deficiencies in your diet, if you're to take 
gluten out of your diet, first of all, stop. Do you have grains in your diet to begin with? You know, where, okay, do you? Do you, do you have any? You know, where is your source of wheat in your diet? Where is your source of barley? Where is your source of rye? Um, and and where is your source of packaged products? Now, let's look at this. We talked about it before. If you are to switch those products to a gluten-free whole grain, you will be getting a higher nutrient density than the packaged and processed products you're eating now currently and your nutrient and your vitamin, uh, your vitamin and mineral content will be higher too. So, I mean, even, even if you do have a speculation that maybe you're having some gluten issues, just switch over to the whole grain. Whole grains are said to give anybody heart health. We all want to improve our heart. We all want to improve our health. Um, and if it's something as simple as adding in whole grains, go for it. The fiber content. Fiber content is going to help with the inflammation too. So don't be afraid of that nutrient deficiency. There is a way to make up for that nutrient deficiency, but relying on whole grains is the way to do it. Okay, that's great. I mean, you've been listening to the Gluten-Free Garage Sale Show, and uh, as with a garage sale, you see tons of items strewn across the table, lawn and driveway and concrete floor, and you never really know what's legit and what is not. So we've We've tried to uh, sort this out for you and uh, take out all those bargain basement items that could be uh, devious and, and throw them to the firing squad for Kevin at a later date. And uh, this has been great information, you know, working with Kevin Rail and Jill Molshaw from Park City, Utah. They're part of that gluten-free institute out there, educating uh, consumers and restaurants and organizations alike on gluten-free healthy choices. And uh, we'll have to do it again. This is a, this is a growing topic for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm just getting more and more questions. And I think it's really on the radar screens of a lot more people. Like And like you said, Jill, I mean, even the physicians are pulling their hair, hair out a little bit, you know, with what they're seeing. So um, we'll have to keep up the good work. And if you need more information, make sure to visit Jill. Go uh, glutenfreegracefully.com and also the Gluten-Free Institute, right? Thanks, Ron. Thank you, guys. All right, Ron. Have a good day. Yep. You've been listening to Lean Braves Radio Show at theleanbraves.com. Music today provided by ZZ Top, Texacali. Music is good for your health and soul. Get some. Until next time, keep moving. No excuses. <laughs>